Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friends. That's right, it's Everybody's Friend, the weekly Comic Web old-time radio podcast. The Comic Web sells all the old-time radio programs heard on our podcast, as well as comic books and more. Check us, Check out our other podcasts. One is of the Superman radio program, and the other is a video podcast of the old movie Cliffhanger Serials. Go to our website, comicweb.com, for information on how to get them, or type the word Comic Web into iTunes and they'll pop up. This week we have two episodes of the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde radio program from way back in 1932. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure and our privilege to present to you tonight George Edwards in a radio version adapted by Betty Rowland of one of the world's great literary masterpieces, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It took the genius of Robert Louis Stevenson to fashion this tale of the dual forces which are forever at war in every human breast, the powers of good and evil that lie dormant in us all. And he has given us a tale so weird, so strange, and yet so filled with the eternal conflict of man's immortal soul that we who hear it stand petrified. Because in the tormented character of this strange fantasy, we see ourselves. Step by step, we will take you along the tortuous path followed by young Henry Jekyll, fortune's darling, born to great riches, talented and handsome until we see the final dissolution of this unhappy being who sought to split his soul in twain and assume a separate identity for each side of his dual nature, the one entirely good, the other completely evil. We will begin by looking into the handsome country residence of his father, Edward Jekyll, a wealthy London merchant who has retired to his estates to enjoy the fruits of a successful career on the stock exchange. He is a man whom anyone might envy, still in the prime of life, enjoying the esteem of all who knew him, blessed with the love of a gracious woman and the father of a splendid son. It is Christmas Day, and fires are burning brightly in the vast chimney pieces of the Jekyll house. Snow spangles the trees and the great parks surrounding the gardens. And in the clear crystal air, the chiming of church bells comes clearly from the little village just a mile or so beyond the gates. Harry! Harry, there's Mr. Bunning with the squire. Open the windows, dear, and show him that we're here. All right, Mother. Are you sure it wouldn't be too cold for you? Not a bit. I've got this warm cloak on, and it isn't half so cold now that the sun has commenced to shine. Margaret just driving through the gates. Oh, isn't that nice? 
I was so hoping they'd call in today. Tell your father, dear, and then run out and meet them. Oh, I do hope they can stay and have Christmas dinner with us. There's no one I'd rather have than them. Another glass of this port, Addison, before we go into the drawing room. Thanks. I think I will. What a glorious color it has. Fill me a beaker full of the warm south, eh? <laughs> this wine was part of a gift to my grandfather from the Duke of Alba. It's lasted a long time. But I think they'll be sufficient for young Henry to celebrate his Christmases with. How the lad is shooting up. How old is he now? He'll be 12 in April. I'll have to think about sending him away to college soon. He's getting too much for a tutor. You must be very proud of him. But what about your daughter? She's got her fair share of good looks, don't you think? Ah, oh, yes. Margaret's a bonny lass. A very bonny lass. Ah, there are the children outside now. What's that Margaret's carrying? Hmm? Oh, I think it must be the doll my wife got for her last week when we were up in London. A doll? Why, from here it looks as large as a real baby. How delighted she'll be. Just look at the way she holds it. Haven't you seen a mother carrying her child that way? And the look on her face. I can see it from here. Purest rapture. Notice the way she walks. She's afraid of slipping on the snow and letting it drop. I've noticed the expression of a little girl's face when she's carrying her doll. Just the same rapt, inward look of utter bliss that a mother has. I really think they feel the same. All of which is quite beyond Henry's scope of understanding. <laughs> Look how impatiently he waits for her. The eternal male itching to be off on adventure. What's the matter with you? I'm coming. I told you you should have left that silly old doll behind. It's not a silly old doll. Yes, it is. Look at its staring eyes. Whoever saw anyone with eyes like that? I think they're beautiful. And she's got real eyelashes, too. And they open and shut. And she says, Mama. <laughs> Well, you can understand that all day admiring it, or you're going to come with me. Where do you want me to go? Down to Red Hill. Snow's deep there. I gave it a try out after church this morning. The new sleigh's a dream. Faster than anyone else's by a mile. I don't think I want to go sleighing, Henry. What? Before we had dinner, you could hardly wait. Well, I've changed my mind. Well, I know what it is. You've got that doll now. What if I have? It doesn't stop you from coming sleighing with me. Of course it doesn't. But I just don't want to, that's all. You prefer a silly-looking, waxing-faced image to me, do you? Very well, then. I'll ask Phyllis Mortimer to go. She'll jump at the chance. Ask her. I don't care. Oh, yes, you do. You hate her. I know you do. I saw the look on your face when we were skating together last week. Who? What do I care who you skate with? That's not true. You do care. And if you don't come with me now, I'll ask her to be my partner at the children's party tonight. Very well, then. I shall dance with the squire's son. He's already asked me to. More than once, too. Oh, no, you won't. You're not going to dance with that pimply-faced ninny. He's a very nice boy. He has lovely manners. And he's never rude and horrid like you are. He's got buck teeth, and he bees through his mouth like a, a grampus. He's promised to take me to the next other hunt. And I shall probably go and stay at the manor after the new year. You're coming to stay here. I heard Mother ask your father. Papa lets me go when I choose. And you're going to choose to come and stay with us. And you're going to come slain with me now, do you hear? Indeed. Yes. Go inside and put away that doll. I should think a big girl like you'd be ashamed to play with dolls. I don't, don't care what you think. And anyway, ten isn't too old for dolls. Yes, it is. 
Phyllis Mortimer's only nine. She smashed her last doll over a year ago. Phyllis Mortimer's balls and bowls. I heard your mother say so. Oh, Margaret, come on. You're wasting the afternoon. Be getting dark soon. Well, I'm not coming, so there. Yes, you are. I'm going to make you. No, you're not. Give me that dog. No. No. Henry, stop it. Oh. Margaret. Margaret. What's the matter? Speak to me. Oh, oh Margaret. Henry. Henry, what on earth have you done? She slipped on the step. Oh, Father. She's not dead, is she? Let me have a jackal for mercy's sake. Oh, Margaret, my darling. I think she's only stunned, Addison. We'll carry her inside. Henry, run and tell your mother. Tell her not to be alarmed. It can't be serious. There are only half a dozen steps. But she stuck her head as she fell. I saw it through the window. Yes, yes, I know. Don't let's waste any time. We'll send for the doctor right away. Oh, my darling, my darling. Oh, God, don't let anything happen to her. My little girl. Oh, Margaret, Margaret. Steady, old man. She's my whole life. If anything should happen, I, I just couldn't go on. She'll be all right in a week or so, just slight concussion, that's all. She's sleeping quietly now, and I, I expect her to wake up almost herself again. Thank you, Doctor. I I can't say what a relief this is. And these young things are liable to suffer all sorts of mishaps, sir. How did it happen? She, uh, she was playing with Mr. Jekyll's boy on the top of some steps. I don't know exactly how it came about, but uh, she slipped. Mm, very easily done. The ground's like glass after the freeze last night. Well, I'll be getting along. Be around in the morning. Uh, no excitement, man. Oh, we'll see to that. Hello. Good night, sir. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Addison, old friend. What for? For what you said about the accident. You might easily have said so much more. As far as I'm concerned, nothing more need be said, ever. That's not so. There's something I feel I have to say. Something that I've wanted to say to you for a long time, yet lacked the resolution. Will you sit down with me for a while before we go to Mrs. Jekyll? Why, certainly. Is there something that troubles you? Something that troubles me very deeply. Addison, did you... Did you notice my son's face as he tried to tear the doll out of Margaret's arms this afternoon? You mean just before she fell? Yes, I did. What did you think? Well, to be truthful... There was something on the face of that boy that struck terror into my heart. I know. What's the meaning of it? I've seen it from time to time, and it's always the same. Something so evil, so hideously profane, seems to peer out from behind the mask of his features that I... I can't believe my eyes. You saw it this afternoon? Yes. Has it happened very often? Not more than half a dozen times in his life. The first occasion was when he was little more than two years old. He was playing with his nurse, a woman of whom he was particularly fond. And suddenly I saw the change, and he turned and sank his teeth into her arm until she screamed with pain. We had to almost prise his jaws apart. It was... it was the most horrible thing I'd ever seen. And when did it happen next? About two years later. My spaniel had a litter of puppies, little soft lumps of silk. Henry was playing with them when suddenly I heard the mother dog begin to wail and... Henry laughed. Never as long as I live will I forget that sound. It wasn't the laugh of a child, but that of a fiend. I rushed to where he was. 
he had broken their backs. Every puppy lay dead at his feet. Cooked animals. And then another time... Heaven's sake, what's that? It's Henry. He has terrible nightmares after after one of the attacks. I must go to him at once. Excuse me. Oh, Edward Jekyll, my poor friend. You are indeed in need of help. May God have pity on you. And on your son. Ladies and gentlemen, we now present George Edwards in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Robert Louis Stevenson startled the world when he gave it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, this masterly portrayal of the warring forces of good and evil forever struggling for ascendancy in every human breast. But the child is ever father to the man. And for that reason, we took you back in our last episode to Henry Jekyll's early boyhood to mark the traces of that strange duality of nature which in after years were to bear such bitter fruits. A simple childish quarrel with Margaret Utterson, daughter of his father's dearest friend, rouses the latent demon in Henry. And the result is an accident which may well have led to tragedy. But Margaret escapes with minor injuries, and that night... His father, Edward Jekyll, reveals to Mr. Utterson the dark forebodings as to Henry's future. Some years elapse, and we now see the young Jekyll as a tall stripling of 17, nearing the end of his college days, and to all outward appearances, as handsome and fine a young man as one would wish to see. The scene is the senior's room, and the time, that brief hour between supper time and the evening prep. What do you think, fellas? Markham's been expelled. What? Well, serve him right. He's had chances enough. He knew what he was asking for, breaking bounds like that. But even if he did, it seems a bit hot sending him down for that. It wasn't merely breaking bounds, my little innocent. It was what he did with his illicit liberty. I warned him that the head wouldn't stand for any more little frolics in Thorley Woods. Thorley Woods? What was he doing there? <laughs> Picking blackberries, of course. But, uh, oh, I... Shut up, you lot. Well, well, what's the matter with our Mr. Jekyll tonight? Not looking his usual cheery self. Not upset by the sad fate of little Mark the baby Romeo, are you? Well, what are you so smug about, anyhow? Mark's been unlucky, that's all. True enough, my friend. Who am I to cast the stone? Oh, I forgot. Rogers told me the head wanted to see you, Jekyll. Uh, where is he? In his study. All right. 
Now, don't any of you others pinch my chair while I'm away. You'll be gone for an hour, old chap. No doubt the head wants to get a little guidance from his head prefect on how to put down vice in the senior school. Oh, dry up, Pelton. You're a poisonous toad. Well, at least everybody knows it. Why, what do you mean? Oh, nothing, nothing. Uh, pray allow me to open the door for your holiness to pass through. Don't be an ass. What are you always picking on Jekyll for, Pelton? Oh, he's so confoundedly irreproachable, he gets on my nerves. This fellow's hardly human. Always tops the list in exams, never misses a class. Has all the blues for sport, and I don't doubt kneels down by the side of his blameless bed every night and prays for mere sinners like you and me. He's too good to be true. Come in. Ah, Jekyll, come in and sit down. Thank you, sir. I, uh, I want to have a talk to you about this affair of Markham's, uh, most unpleasant business. Yes, sir. As head prefect, I repose a confidence in you that isn't shared by the other boys. I, I want your complete frankness, Jekyll. Thank you, sir. I appreciate what you've said. Have you noticed a peculiar change that's come over some of the boys in the senior school during the last few months? In what way, sir? Mm, oh, in a loosening of discipline... A general decline of uh, moral standard. This affair of Markham's is only a culmination of a series of things that have been taking place for some time. Markham was found in Thorley Wood last Saturday afternoon with, uh, with one of the maids from the Horsham Arms and in a state of, well, one can only call it drunkenness. Markham was? Oh, you find it hard to believe. So do I, Jekyll. But there can be no possible mistake. Mr. Finch, the classic master, was walking through the woods with his wife and, uh, well, what they saw made it impossible for me to allow young Markham to remain at this college any longer. I see. But Markham was not alone. There was another boy with him, but he was apparently sober and heard the sound of footsteps. He ran away through the undergrowth before either Mr. or Mrs. Finch could see who it was. And Markham... Didn't say who he was. And refused to say a word. Uh, Jekyll, uh, have you any idea as to who this other boy could be? I, sir? Why, no, I... No, I haven't the least idea. Hmm. I have a feeling that if we could find him, we... We may put our fingers on the cause of all this unpleasantness that's been happening during the past few months. A boy like Markham wouldn't have sunk to that sort of thing unless someone had influenced him. Mind you, I'm, I'm not asking you to spy out on your friends, but I do hope I can count on your help in clearing up this matter. Markham's life is ruined. I can't stand by and see other boys destroy themselves without doing everything in my power to stop it. You, you understand, Jekyll? Yes, sir. I understand, sir. We must stamp out this vicious thing that suddenly appeared in the school, as one would put one's heel on the head of a reptile. And with as little pity. Uh, you would not be guilty of treachery, I want to point that out, if you told me anything you knew or suspected. No, sir. I understand that perfectly, sir. Mm, good. Well, I, I can rely on you. Uh, come to me if you have any idea as to who is at the bottom of this, and everything you tell me will be treated with the greatest confidence. You, uh... You haven't any suspicions offhand, have you? No, sir. Not the remotest idea. Why, I can't imagine anyone who could do such a thing, sir. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, keep your eyes and ears open and report to me immediately. Oh, uh, there's the bell for evening prep. I, I won't keep you any longer. Oh, Jekyll, when do you sit for your exams? Uh, 
At the end of next month, sir. Mm, I'd be sorry to lose you. Going to do medicine, aren't you? Uh, medicine and science, sir. I expect you to do well. You've always been a credit to us, Chicken. Thank you, sir. I hope I always shall be, sir. Mm. Uh, by the way, uh, you might have a word with young Markham sometime this evening. He asked to see you. It mightn't do any harm to talk to him. Where is he, sir? Up in the tower room. I thought it best to put him there, away from all the other boys. I'll see him before I go to bed, sir. And don't forget, report back to me anything of interest he might have to tell you. Good night, Jacob. Uh, just close the door, will you? Me. Yes, sir. I did. I want to tell you what a swine you are, Jekyll, but it doesn't seem to matter now. Oh, well. I'd just go ahead if it helps. It'll take more than that to help me. You understand what this means, don't you? Yes, I think I do. I wonder. Your people are rich. Mine aren't. It's taken a lot of doing without to send me here. Can you guess what it's going to be like when I have to face them tomorrow? Well, I'll make it up to you. I swear I will. Give me a clean sheet and a chance to start again? I know. Not even all your money can do that. They don't take men into the civil service with a kind of record I'm going to have when I leave here. I've made an unholy mess of things now. I'll suffer for it for the rest of my life. The worst of it is that others have to suffer too. My people are old. I'm their only child. They've scrimped and saved to send me to this college. The things I've been going to do, the career I've been going to have, has, has been the whole meaning of life to them. Tomorrow when they come here to see the head, they've got to be told it, it's finished. I, I'd rather have died than do this to them. Good Lord, has the world come to an end because you can't go into the civil service? Oh, I hate you, Jacob. You're so devilishly clever. Not a single soul suspects you. I suppose the head sent you here tonight to find out who my accomplice was. <laughs> That's funny. That's one secret I can be sure of you keeping to yourself. You're not likely to go down and tell him it was you. Shut up, will you? Shut up. If you keep on shouting at the top of your lungs, there'll be no need to tell him. So you're... You're no more anxious to be found out than I was. Of course I'm not. Who wants to pay the penalty for the sins he commits? But you will, Jekyll. Someday you will. You can get away with it for a long time if you're clever enough. But eventually it'll all catch up with you. <laughs> not me. I'll get away with it always. I'll find a way somehow... I could prove you're wrong right now. How? By going downstairs and telling the head who was with me that day in Thornley Wood. You? You wouldn't do that, Markham. I'm not so sure that I wouldn't. Why should I take the whole of it? If it hadn't been for you, I'd never have gone there. 
Never have spoken to those girls, never drunk their beastly wine. But you wouldn't tell the head, Markham. I would, I tell... Good heavens, Jekyll. Why are you looking at me like that? What's come over you? Don't stare at me that way. Your eyes. What's the matter with your eyes? Keep away. What are you going to do? Don't bury your teeth like that. You're terrible. Jekyll, don't. Don't. Keep away from that window. Keep away, you fool. He's fallen. Down to the ground, onto the stones. His body's lying there. I didn't, didn't do it. I, I didn't do it. He jumped of his own accord. I never touched him. What's the matter? What's going on in there? Oh, oh it's Markham, sir. He threw himself out of the window, right before my very eyes. Oh, it was horrible. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Stand back, stand back, boys. My dear Jekyll, this is terrible. What a tragic finish. Sit down in this chair. Oh, Oh, get him some brandy, someone. He's going to faint. 